Kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional dad. Today we're back to just being me, Merritt. I'm the host of Dad Feelings, the podcast that you're listening to right now. And this week I'm talking about a fictional dad who is not a man. Um, and we talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about what the boundaries of dadness were in terms of um, gender and biological dadness and that kind of thing. Um, We didn't really talk about species a whole lot, but um, our dad this week is an animal. He is a lion. He's Mufasa from the movie The Lion King. Now, I assume that probably most people listening to this podcast have seen this film. Um, You may not be aware, possibly, that uh, it's essentially a riff on Hamlet. Um, So just as a recap, if you haven't seen the film in a while, basically the plot of The Lion King is that um, Mufasa, who is like the king of lions and thus kind of like the king of the Pride Lands, is overthrown by his brother Scar, who's jealous of Mufasa and of his son Simba. And so Scar engineers this plot to kill Mufasa and is going to kill Simba as well, but then basically just exiles him and assumes that he'll be dead or that he'll never come back. And Obviously, what ends up happening, because it's a Disney film, is that Simba comes back after learning some important life lessons from uh, Warthog and uh, Meerkat, and he overthrows Scar and deposes him and takes his rightful place as king. And in between, there's a number of musical events. Um... There's kind of a horny monkey. I guess that's more in the sequel. There's a whole song Rafiki does about fucking. That's kind of weird. Um, But um, that's basically the gist of it. So it's, you know, it's pretty similar to Hamlet in a lot of ways, except that not everyone dies at the end. That would be a little dark for a Disney movie, I guess. Um, And there's a few, few key differences that... I do want to hit on in talking about Mufasa as the dad in this movie. So what do we know about Mufasa? Well, we're introduced to him as this kind of benevolent king figure. And in Hamlet, the king is dead from the beginning, right? So we don't really get a sense of what he's like. We sort of like get to see his ghost, but that's about it. Um, But in The Lion King, we get to be introduced to Mufasa, probably to sort of give us some sense that he's like a good guy and to create more of an emotional connection when Scar betrays and kills him. But basically, he is like this uh, strong, big, kind, 
benevolent leader that is really intent on like raising his son to be responsible and, you know, like a good ruler. And he talks a lot about the circle of life, which is like a big concept in the film, right? So his whole thing is that he doesn't believe that like lions are necessarily better than any other kinds of animals, I guess, explicitly. Um, he, he talks about how every form of life is connected. And, you know, when lions die, they decompose and then they're basically feeding other animals. So it's everything is connected. There's the sense of stability. Everyone has a role to play. And I hadn't really thought about that too much until I like came back to think about this movie and research it for this episode. But this is kind of a really interesting discourse, right? This It's kind of really interesting like rhetoric. This whole idea about like everyone has a role to play. You know, everyone is connected. Everything is stable. It kind of reminds me a lot about... Um, so in a past life, I was a sociologist. And um, there's this theory in... Uh, in sociology called structural functionalism. And it was really popular in like the first half of the 20th century. And it's really associated with guys like Talcott Parsons and Robert Merton. And basically the idea behind it is like that you look for the functionality behind any kind of like custom or practice that you're investigating. So like you're looking for often like counterintuitive functions, um, like things that seem detrimental to society often have some kind of like underlying function that, that keeps things going. And this was really popular for a long time in sociology, but there's like a few big problems with it. And one is that it's basically a tautology, right? Like, it just is totally circular, um, <laughs> circle of life. Um, but it is looking at, like, oh, things exist because they're functional. So they're functional because they exist. Like, it doesn't really explain anything. Um, and it also is, like, pretty conservative in that it basically says that, like, again, like, it's kind of this naturalistic fallacy, right? Like, anything that exists is natural and therefore good. And so it really doesn't serve anyone other than people who are like currently favored by the social system. So the circle of life stuff kind of reminds me of that in that it's really all about like thinking about the role that you play in this bigger system and about stability and connection and um, Mufasa even like brings this into a historical kind of perspective too when he's like talking to Simba about how and like this is obviously foreshadowing but he's like oh one day I won't be here but you'll always have the great kings of the past to guide you and so he's like sort of preparing his son to like take his place in this lineage and um that's something I'm going to come back to in a little bit because that's like not really like touched upon a whole lot in the movie. But again, when I came back to that, it was like, huh, 
Um, but so I want to read like a line from the Disney wiki and I don't know like who maintains this. And there's a lot of stuff in there from like other sources. Like, I don't know how canonical those are. I'm really just talking about the movie, the Lion King because I haven't really read or seen any of the other material, but there's this line about Mufasa in there that says like, although he was a predator, he was beloved even by those who would normally be his prey. Mufasa preached about the circle of life, saying that everyone was connected and all had their role in life, even if it was simply to be food for predators. He even openly discouraged the latter, his own son included, from overstepping their boundaries in the natural order. So again, Mufasa is really like aligned with with nature, with stability, and like that's kind of weird though right like saying like oh everyone has their role in life even if it's just to be food like you should accept that and like from a strictly biological or ecological perspective in some sense I guess that's true but it's weird when you're like imputing sentience and like morals and ideas to like all of these animals like all of the prey animals in the Lion King have like intelligence too, right? Or or do they? Because like there's that classic scene with with the um, the stampeding um, uh, wildebeest, I think, um, that end up killing Mufasa, and like they don't really seem to have like individual intelligence. Like they're very herd mentality. So it's like, I don't know. That's always something that bugs me about like animals communicating um, fiction because it's like which animals get to be people and which get to just be animals. And often that's broken down in, in kind of a weirdly racialized or like class-based way, I feel like. But anyway, um, yeah. So Mufasa is like all about stability and like roles and connection. And he's like, it's kind of like dad is like naturally in charge. And again, I'm going to come back to that later, but I want to talk a little bit about Mufasa's brother, Scar, for a bit. So Scar is to me like the archetypal gay uncle. And if you look at a lot of Disney films, there's like a lot of the villains are queer coded. I don't think that's, like, controversial at this point, but, like, Ursula is based on Divine, right? So, like, pretty obvious. Scar is, like, this brooding, narcissistic, plotting, hedonistic, lazy, like, very arch guy. And, like, compared to Mufasa, who's, like, very, like, walks around very upright, he's, like, has a very full face, he's, like, very muscular, very broad, Scar is, like, really wiry. He kind of, like, slinks around. Like, his motions are very, like, sinister and almost, like, seductive. He has very, like, a very narrow face. Um, so there's, like, a lot of physical contrast there. Even, like, queerness is, like, written onto Scar in a way that, like, naturalness and, like, power is kind of written onto Mufasa's body. But um, Scar's whole thing is that he is really jealous of his brother, right? So he is plotting to uh, to take the take control of like the kingdom away from him. 
Um, and he, he always says like, oh, I'm not as strong as Mufasa. Like he kind of like has this thing where he thinks of himself as like the much smarter figure. Um, and he kind of like resents like Mufasa's brute strength and like power. And he's also like next in line to take over before Simba's born. So he really resents his nephew for like kind of taking what he sees as rightfully his his throne. So Scar does this whole plot. Like I said, he um, he lures Mufasa into this stampede and um, ends up, you know, condemning him to death himself. He like throws him to the stampede and like gets him killed. And uh, that lets him take over, right? That lets him... Uh, lay claim to the Pride Lands. And the thing about Scar, too, is that he has these hyena friends who are, like, really dangerous and, like, coded as kind of, like, mentally imbalanced. And um, he hangs out with hyenas, which is, like, weird for a lion, right? And I think that's another way of, like, coding his his queerness, kind of. Um, And... So what happens when he takes over the Pride Lands is it's like this really drastic physical transformation. So under Mufasa, everything was like uh, lush and green. And like, there's like, you think of the song, like, I just can't wait to be king, which is like all of these colors and like greenery and flowers and animals and birds and everything. And then compare that to when Scar takes over and there's like immediately a drought. There's like all of the herd animals are hunted into um, not extinction, but they're like their numbers are like dwindling because Scar basically lets the hyenas like go wild. Um, And so it's like the land itself becomes like barren and unproductive, which is like to me such a metaphor for queerness right like it's the land literally doesn't like produce anymore it like literally doesn't bear fruit right and I feel like all of this is really a comment on the uh, illegitimacy of Scar's rule that he shouldn't be in charge that he thinks of himself as like much smarter than Mufasa but like when he's in charge he's actually like too kind of hedonistic and lazy to be a good ruler. Um, Like, everyone is miserable. He's, like, ruining the environment. Like, queerness is basically poisoning society and the environment, right? Um, Which is, like, a really interesting visual trick that they do. Obviously, it's to, like, symbolize that he's evil and that he's, like, transformed the whole... Uh, territory into like this like evil dark land but like it's um it's hard not to read the queerness stuff onto that I think once you start seeing Scar as like this very like arch gay figure um it's not even really clear that Scar has like a like a partner in like a lion partner like a lioness I guess like Mufasa has a, a wife or like whatever you would call it in lion words um 
And I think there is like this in the Lion King too. I think basically Scar had like been in alliance with this group of lionesses. And then like one of them has this son who is going to like become the new King after Simba or something. But I don't think it was like Scar's kid. Like, I don't think they're related. I think it's implied that Scar doesn't fuck um, or at least doesn't fuck lionesses. Right. Like he's, He's queer. Scar's queer. Um, so there's that really big contrast between the two of them, right? Like Mufasa is like, Mufasa doesn't really have to like plot or like exert power in a very dramatic way because he basically has it vested in him by, he has authority, right? He doesn't have to like use kind of like base power, um, and, like, that's patriarchy, right? Like, he doesn't have to resort to, like, having a gang of hyenas to exert his his will because people just follow him because they, like, believe that it's right. Um, and that's in the film presented as, like, well, of course it is, right? Like, of course Mufasa was a better ruler than Scar, and, like, it's kind of indisputable in terms of the effects, like, on the Pride Lands and, like, the other animals and everything. But it's kind of, like, an interesting argument, right? Like, Scar is, like, taking power by illegitimate force and Mufasa has been vested with power by, like, just virtue of kind of being in this line of succession. And it's never really a question about, like, like, it's never really questioned this idea of, like, kings um except by scar i guess and he doesn't really question the system either he just sort of like questions like who gets to be the king um and the whole thing with mufasa talking about like the great kings of the past it's kind of like this whole thing about like there's this line of dads of like patriarchs that goes back unimaginably far and it's this kind of very natural and uninterrupted chain that's best for everyone um, like dad being in charge is, is best because um, only dad really knows how to handle the situation and how to take care of things. And if you have someone who is not dad in charge of that stuff, then bad things happen, right? And that's kind of like the moral of the Lion King almost, which is kind of fucked up. Um, and I'm not really saying anything like groundbreaking or new here. Like obviously popular films like reinforce patriarchy. <laughs> That's kind of obvious. Um, but the interesting thing about Mufasa in that respect, I feel like is like in Hamlet, right? Like the ghost of Hamlet's dad is like, get revenge on me because your uncle killed me. And in The Lion King, Mufasa, when he, like, appears to Simba as a ghost or, like, as a cloud or whatever, he doesn't even, he doesn't really seem concerned with the revenge, and he doesn't actually even mention it, and he doesn't even say, like, Scar killed me. Um, he's just like, oh, Simba, you have to take your natural place as king. You can't just be dicking around with your meerkat and warthog friends, like... Come on, man. Um, I know, like, a Kuna Matata or whatever, but you gotta go take care of business. 
like man up basically. And um, that's kind of interesting, I think, but it also feeds back into that, that idea of like Mufasa doesn't really need to do that. Like he doesn't need to be driven by revenge and he doesn't need to like deal with that stuff because his power is so unquestioned. Um, He has like the weight of history and uh, legitimacy and patriarchy behind him. So he doesn't really need to be like all revengey or all like kill scar. Um, And actually Simba doesn't even know that scar engineered that whole thing until like the very end of the movie and like when scar tells him basically um but there's this other like this other fantasy there too right which is like that your dad will like watch over you and guide you forever like from the stars which is kind of sweet um but you know the end of the film is like mufasa or sorry simba deposes scar and he doesn't actually kill Scar because um, I feel like you're not really allowed to do that. Like it kind of, again, it would like poison almost his legitimacy to use force in that way. He just kind of like is going to exile him. And then Scar like does the thing that all villains do is like when the hero like turns their back on them, he like jumps and then Simba basically just deflects his attack and uh, knocks him into this pit full of hyenas. And he's like, oh, my friends, you're here to save me. But earlier, Scar like was trying to convince Simba that it was all the hyenas idea and that they're like, they're, they're really the ones behind it. And he basically sold them out. So he has like really no integrity like he's painted as this basically irredeemable figure who is like not only like bad for like a bad ruler and like bad for the kingdom, but like also like not really like he doesn't actually have any real friends or anything. Like he's this totally this figure who will excel anyone out um, at any, whenever it's convenient to him or like he's fundamentally a coward, right? Um, Like he seems like he's willing to do really horrible things, but like as soon as anything harmful is directed at him. He like just totally breaks down. So Scar gets killed by the hyenas. And then I think they die too. I think like they just like catch on fire or something, which is kind of weird. But um, like, I guess they don't have a role to play. Um, Like it's weird too, right? How like Mufasa is all big on like the circle of life and everything. And he's like, all, all animals play, play a part in the great chain of existence. And then there's just some animals that are, like, coded as evil. Like, are they not supposed to exist? Or, like, are they playing, like, a, a function in that society, like, with, with structural functionalism? Like, did they serve as, like, an example or something? Um, I never really thought about that. But, like, yeah, what, what are these hyenas for? Like, Mufasa seems to not really like them. But they're animals. Like, they they're there um so i don't know that's kind of weird it's it's you know things get messy when you start like imputing human rules and like personalities onto animals and then trying to sort of like blend the whole concept of like a natural ecology and like hierarchy with 
human will and like agency, right? Like it, it gets kind of confusing, which is why movies like this always like kind of weird me out. But um, yeah, to me, like that is really the the fantasy of Mufasa is like he's like a good dude, right? Like he isn't a jerk. He is like really dedicated to his son and to like his family and to really his whole society. Like he does seem to actually be a good king. And I guess that's like the whole fantasy of him is that like, is that letting dad be in charge is like a good thing. Um, that like, if you just listen to dad, then things will go well, which is pretty seductive, right? Because that's basically what like, a huge percentage of media tells us. Um, and it's so not borne out by reality. Um, and it really is just like this legitimizing of, of patriarchy, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but I guess not that surprising again, that like, you know, most, most, uh, kids films like this, or a lot of them are about like some challenge to the established order. And then like often I think that that challenge is coded as queer because it's kind of an easy way to signify like disruption of like the family and what's right and what's traditional. And then that challenge has to be um, repelled, right? Like the natural order has to kind of be reinstated because if it's not, then like, what is the ending? Like Scar is still the king and like drives the pride lands into like barren extinction. Like, I don't know, like Scar is like a decent ruler too. Like that, you know, we can't really have like a clean moral about that if that's the case. Um, but yeah, Mufasa is like, um, I think that's the thing, right? Is like, it would be really easy to, like it would be too easy for Mufasa to be like kind of a dick. Um, but that is the whole, that's the seductive fantasy of this stuff is that like, your dad is actually good that he's like good and it's good for him to be in charge. And um, one day if you're a dude, then you'll be in charge and then it'll be good for you to do that too. And you have kind of like the weight of like your forefathers behind you and that any challenges to that are like illegitimate and like bad for everyone at the end of the day. So people should really just, chill and let you take care of things not great I guess but I see like it does seem very um yeah very seductive so that will do it for this week on dad feelings I think um if you like the show please uh rate and review us on iTunes and tell a friend we don't advertise anywhere so that would be super super helpful and um uh, follow us on twitter at dad feelings and um i'll see you next week bye kiddos dad feelings is hosted by merrick k and produced and edited by nick bravo for stay mean 
Stay Mean is listener-supported. If you appreciate the shows we make and want access to bonus episodes and other perks, support us at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album, Foil Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy. Thanks for listening. Be good, kiddos.